you plan to attend, please let Stephen and myself know so we can um, kind of figure out how much food is, is needed. But the reason I want to do this is we had a great time this, uh, this past uh, Saturday, and, and uh, the Lord really blessed, but has also impressed upon our hearts to, to continue this, to encourage our men, to edify, to, to strengthen, to be accountable to one another, and as well to help reach out to many of the other men up here on this mountain who work early and, and don't find the time, at least it seems, to, to get to church. But we want to be able to offer this as discipleship and fellowship for ourselves, but as well as for outreach for others. So um, take this, stick it in your refrigerator. We hope that you can make it. And, and pray for these men and, uh, that are meeting, and pray as well for others that the Lord would bless that we could use this as an outreach uh, for other men as well. A um, couple other things. The, this Thursday, February 17th, the senior, senior ministry will be going to Doug and Sandy Watson's home for devotions, fellowship, and food. Parking is limited, so if you would like to attend, come to church at 1030 and ride the van, all right? Um, and then if you've got any questions, see, uh, see them find folks right there. They'll tell you something. One of them will, at least, <laughs> but, but they'll, they'll get you there, um, and it'll be a good time, I'm sure. Then beginning next Sunday um, is going to be starting our choir practice. And this is going to be every uh, Sunday, as long as the weather permits, um, to get us through to Easter to prepare for our Easter service and day. So if you got questions, CJL about that, but that'll be starting next Sunday, the 20th, at 5.30 um, before the service. And then also next Sunday at 9.30 that morning is going to start our youth Sunday school for middle school and high school students led by Steve and Christy Dalton. Grateful that uh, they're starting that up. And uh, so if you have a middle school or high school student, your family, friends, neighbors, loved ones, anybody that you know or meet, uh, send them our way. We'd love to be able to minister to them and as well to encourage parents and to equip them. Um, it's a very uh, important age and a very difficult age, especially in the days in which we live in. Totally different from even when I was there, and I was just there not that long ago. Um, and, and so it's a totally different world that we're living in, and, and they, uh, they need help, encouragement. So encourage and pray as well, too. Uh, for Stephen and Christy during this. And I pray that God would protect them, would help them, would encourage them, and would give them fruit for their labor. Um, pray as well, too, and, and plan to come on the last Sunday of the month. Uh, we're going to be having a, a kids' club interest meeting. We want to kind of uh, go over a few basic things, get some interest, and kind of see where we're at with that because it's coming up right around the corner. And we want to pray that the Lord would, uh, would help uh, and bless us uh, through that and that we would be able to bless Him as we reach out to our community and get things going again, and that we would uh, share the gospel, young and old, and everything in between. And so let's go ahead this morning, and uh, we're going to pray. That's all I got as far as announcements goes. We're going to pray, ask the Lord to bless our service today, and uh, just to thank Him that we can meet and that we can gather. Also, that reminds me, too, I forgot. Uh, tonight, there will be no service tonight. From everything that I've been told, and if it's wrong, then either all y'all are liars or the rest of you don't know, I don't know, but... <laughs> I've been told that most of the time on Super Bowl Sunday night that normally don't have service. So this year, we're not going to have service tonight. Spend some time with your family, friends. Enjoy your evening off. And if you all hate it, then tell me about it. And next year, we'll have service and we'll all sit here. All right? And it'll be fine. All right? But either way, let me know and we'll get some feedback on it. And we'll swing back next year and we'll see what the Lord does. But enjoy your evening. Stay safe. Watch some football. Don't watch football. Eat some good food. Or, or don't, right? <laughs> but but enjoy enjoy the night as best as can. But let's pray. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, thank you. Okay, see? See, my, my, my whole thing's all off. Uh, the arrangements for Bonnie Smith is going to be this Tuesday um, over here at Vaughn Gwen McGrady at 1 o'clock for visitation and 2 o'clock for the service, and then there'll be a, a burial to, to follow. So that'll be this Tuesday, 2 o'clock is the service, one o'clock is uh, visitation. So if you come out, um, we'd, we'd love to uh, be able to support this family, and especially Jerry. Uh, pray for him, and I'll be praying for the service as well. Um, and I appreciate, uh, I know they appreciate greatly uh, the prayers that have been lifted already. Um, thank you for reminding me. Uh, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather to worship you. And God, we I thank you for the beauty of this snow and for this, uh, this day, Lord, that we can see uh, your handiwork and, and your hand over your creation. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the roads being clear, that we can make it here safely. And uh, Lord, that we can now take time to, uh, to stand and to sing together, to praise you and help us do so with hearts that are uh, prepared to worship you. 
And God, I pray that you would stir amongst us through the songs and through uh, your word and through the power of your spirit this morning. And God, that we would be directed and pointed to you. And God, that you would be the forefront of all things in our heart and our minds this morning, rid of all distractions. And God, that you would be glorified and magnified today. I pray, God, if there's one who is in need of salvation, that you would save them. If there's one who's in need of conviction, convict them. If there's one who's in need of encouragement, encourage them today, Lord. But have your will in your way. And God, may we trust you and give this hour over to you now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. extra challenge this morning about singing we're going to do it without piano and that that makes a lot of difference for me and I, I know it does you all too if you're able please stand and we'll sing worthy of worship <coughs> if I can get in tune here worthy of worship worthy of praise worthy of honor and glory worthy of all the glad songs we can sing worthy of all of the offerings we bring you are worthy father creator you are worthy savior sustainer you are worthy worthy and wonderful worthy of worship and praise worthy of reverence worthy of fear worthy of love and devotion worthy of bowing and bending of knees worthy of all this and added to these you are worthy Father, Creator, You are worthy. Savior, Sustainer, You are worthy. Worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Almighty Father, Master and Lord, King of all kings and Redeemer, Wonderful Counselor, Comforter, Friend, Savior and Source of our life without end, You are worthy. Father, Creator, You are worthy. Savior, Sustainer, You are worthy. Worthy and wonderful, worthy of worship and praise. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Revelation 4.11. Our God is worthy. Amen. Okay, remain standing if you're able. Hymn number 310. And of course, we have the words for it too projected overhead. Lead me to Calvary. Hymn number 310. Here we go. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid. 
tenderly mourn and wear. Angels in robes of light arrayed, guardest thee while thou slip. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. Even thy cup of grief to share, thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Turn around, wave, smile, do something to make everybody feel welcome. We're all glad you're here, and I'm glad I'm here. And uh, we have some special music now. We got a real special surprise. And then, Teddy, you come on. Larry and Tony, we got got something real special going on here. Can't wait. Every time it snows, I, I want to sing. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Because what was it for Christmas? About 70 degrees or something like that. So anyway, I remember the good old days, you know, when it, when it was Christmas and it snowed. And when it snowed back in them days, it was really a snow. But anyway, uh, Teddy's got a special song for you. And uh, 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 who, who did you want to sing this for? <laughs> birthday song. Okay. For the preacher's birthday. Are we all ready? Yeah. Wayne snowed in this morning, by the way. Y'all be in prayer for Wayne. He's he's having a lot of pain. He. He's had his back operated on several times, and uh, he's just in excruciating pain. And uh, they won't operate on him again. He's about eight, I think he's 81 years old. And uh, so be in prayer for him, and the doctors will fix him up so he can flat foot again. <laughs> All right, you ready, Ted? Yeah. You care if we help? Uh, go ahead. We need a spirit-filled preacher To teach us right from wrong We need some old-fashioned singers Who'll pray all night long We need some good gospel singers Help us go another mile. The church will triumph, oh Lord, and go home in a little while. And it'll be worth that wrong time. It'll be worth. Yeah. 
there is all I can do. But then the Lord sends deliverance and his strength in you. But if you're up on that mountain and you see us struggling along, just lift your name up to Let's help each other make it home. Cause it'll be worth it after all. It'll be worth it after all. After all of these trials, we'll hear Jesus call. It'll be worth that wrong. It'll be worth that wrong. After all of this climbing, it'll be worth it after all. After all. Especially Teddy. We appreciate Teddy. Amen. We want to do something nice for the pastor. And 
And he did. You've done a good job, Teddy. Praise the Lord. Okay, bow with me if you will. We'll have a word of prayer, and we appreciate the opportunity to pray and opportunity to be in the Lord's house. Let us pray. Our Father, our God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the Lord, your mercy, giving us another day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here in your house. Uh, early on, Lord, we didn't know whether the weather was going to cooperate and let us be here, but, Lord, you worked it out, and we praise you for it. We pray, Lord, that, that we would honor and glorify you in our assembly here this morning and uh, in song, in word, in the preaching, and everything said and done. Lord, we just ask that we bring honor and glory to you. We ask, Lord, that you touch our pastor and give him unction and liberty and clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and let uh, him with power convey your message that you've given to him and given, given to him and to be given to us, Lord. We, we just ask, Lord, that we'd receive your word with gladness and, uh, Lord, would be convicted where, it, where that's needed would be encouraged where that would be needed, and, Lord, would be challenged, all of us, by the preaching and foolishness of your word. And we just love you. Thank you for loving us because we love you because you first loved us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and ask all things. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. We will sing, My Jesus. I love thee, hymn number 79. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. We didn't know about love, but God taught us love, especially when he saved us. Amen. My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, is now I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Excuse me. <laughs> In mansions of glory, and endless delight I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow if seated. Join me with me to give a pastor a nice hand as he comes. Preach God's word. Amen. Appreciate those songs this morning. Beautiful. Uh, this time, uh, kids, is four to six uh, for Children's Church. Be dismissed. I think we got a couple of young'uns coming up this way. Uh, 
All right, you guys are going with the Prats today. Going to be a fun day. You're going to learn a lot. Or strict will <laughs> stricter than me. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are going to have a great time with them. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Take your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6 this morning. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6 this morning. I'm going to be looking at verses 1 through 8, but specifically today, verse number 5. I want to say thank you to those who have uh, sung this morning and, and led us in, in worship. Praise God that worship happens whether there's a piano, an organ, a guitar, a fiddle, stomping and clapping, right? We, we forget oftentimes in church history, and church history is very important. We forget that there's been more time of singing a cappella in our church history than there has been with pianos and organs. And I thank God that He is not worshipped because of certain talents or gifts or instruments that we have, but God receives worship when we come with a heart of worship. When we come to Him in spirit and in truth. And praise the Lord for this morning. I'm grateful that we could unintentionally strip things back a little bit this morning. Let's read Isaiah 6, verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which, we, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Grateful for the, the songs and the worship that has been lifted. Lord, help us now to continue in worship. To worship you in spirit and in truth, God, this morning as we trust in you, as we open up your word to hear what you have to say. God, you have already spoken. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts ears that listen to your word God that we would not just hear what must be said and, and Lord I don't want even them to hear what I have to say I want them to hear you and God I need to hear you this morning so Lord help us the power of your spirit the power of your word to do just that God we love you and we thank you for this time and we give this to you now in Jesus name amen well, as we had looked at last week we had looked first of all at verses one through four it's sort of what we saw as the the revelation of God we saw the revelation, the revealing of God brings about genuine worship. It is not until you see God for who He is and to see Him lifted up high upon His throne, ruling and reigning. And as this description that we saw, it should lead us to worship. I believe last week it did lead to worship. Might have even led to worship a little bit throughout this week, as it should. We should daily be uh, looking to Calvary, as we've talked about this morning, as we had, had, had sung, lead me to Calvary daily. There's not a day goes by that you do not need that fresh glimpse of who God is and what He has done, that daily reminder. It is those things, that daily reminder of knowing this is who God is, this is His character, this is who God is because of His work for me through the Lord Jesus Christ, through Calvary, through that empty tomb, through the promise of His Word. Uh, it is those things that see us through the rest of our day. And it is those things that even in the middle of a terrible day, it is those things in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death that allow us to keep pressing forward. It is when we find ourselves the lowest that we find Him there, the highest of high that there ever could be. High and lifted up with His train, as we talked about, His authority. It filled the temple. We talked about the song of the seraphims, and these seraphims are literally there around the glory of God, the, the holy God of the universe of all creation, at all times, but notice, and we talked about this in verse 2, how they've got six wings. Four out of the six are used for simply 
covering up their unworthiness to be in the presence of this God. Two, cover their face that they may not fully behold. Two, cover their feet. And one, the other two, they fly. And they cry out to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. This beautiful song of which they sing, whether they've got a piano or not, or or a mandolin, I don't know. It does not say, but we do know that they're singing with their voices. And I believe that they're singing throughout uh, to, to let everyone that hears to know they're not singing to be heard about their voices being beautiful or wonderful or majestic or even as angelic as they are, but their voices are being used to proclaim the truth and to point all who would hear this song back to this thrice holy God. We talked about the holiness of God, how this is not just some or some sort of other attribute to describe God, but really this is the sum of all of who He is. This is every bit of who God is and how He has revealed Himself. He does not reveal Himself in, in other uh, or any other way here at this point to Isaiah except for showing that He is the holy, holy, holy God. The thrice holy God. How there is none that is as holy as He is, let alone holier as He is, let alone the holiest that He is. He is perfect and pure and mighty and over all of creation because He is the one who has created all things. It was before all things. And we have looked at how this is, I firmly believe, Christ upon the throne. That He is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried and the house was filled with smoke showing His overwhelming presence. I'm afraid that much of our worship, as we talked a little bit last week, is often half-hearted, which is no worship at all, nor is it any way that we should approach God half-heartedly. Right? Whether, whether we come on a snow day, whether we watch online, whether we open up our Bible on, on a Monday morning to begin our week, we must come knowing who we're coming before. We must come with hearts that genuinely desire to worship the Lord. Now this week, we're going to look at verse number 5. After we see this revealing of God, we come to a realization. We're going to see the realization that Isaiah has about who God is and how that brings about genuine discipleship. You might be looking at verse 5 going, I don't see the word discipleship here. Me either. But yet we find the very principle of looking at who God is observing who then, if that's who He is and this is who I am, then there's going to be some change by it. As there should be. I want you to know there's days. Hey, any, anybody who sings or plays, you got off days, right? You got days you're not quite as good? All right, probably a couple of you, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I know there's off days I've got as preaching. Not, everyone's a, not everyone is a home run. Certainly wish it was. We swing for the fence nevertheless, don't we? Amen? This morning, I want us to swing to look and, and to have, whether we come here every Sunday, whether we're here for every service, whether we watch at home, whether we open up a Bible, regardless of what day it is, what time it is, that we can be able to find ourselves experiencing genuine worship and discipleship, not because we are following some sort of formula, but rather because if there is a formula for any of those things, it is to look at Christ upon His throne. And there is no other response but to simply worship Him and then to follow Him in real deal discipleship. Realizing who God is and, and who we are it is really the heartbeat of genuine discipleship. When we look at the, the early disciples who were called from you know dropping their nets and all this, really what that was is they saw who He was and they saw, well, this is what we're doing and it might not be bad, but He's calling me to something higher and greater. When we find ourselves before the throne of God, we find that there is nothing higher or greater than to follow and to trust Him. Every disciple and disciple maker must realize some things about ourselves and God if we are to walk in genuine discipleship. And looking at His holiness in the first four verses should change everything. And it certainly changed Isaiah. His response wasn't, gee, wow, that's a nice train you got there, Lord. Nor was it, oh, wow, that's a nice crown. Could I try it on? It was not, oh man, let me sing. I'll sing too with the angels. His response, I believe, is the only true response that there can be. 
first of all today, in verse number 5, he says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Genuine discipleship flows from us being undone by the holiness of God. We must be changed by it. We must look to who God is, and if you truly see who God is, it will change you. Not might, but it will. And if there is no change after you have looked long and hard at Calvary, or like Isaiah, if you've looked long and hard at the holiness and beauty and authority and majesty of all of who God is, it will and must change you. If not, you have either not looked at the right thing or you have not looked near hard enough. And it did not take a very long look for Isaiah to look and to say, Woe is me! I am undone. Woe is me is something that we don't like to say. Right? It's, it's, it's this sort of cry. The word woe itself is an exclamation expressive of sorrow, grief, pity, and even concern. Now, notice this. When we all walked through that back door, none of us stopped, looked up, saw a cross, and said, woe is me. None of us walked in and saw the, the uh, blood red color of the carpet and said, woe is me. None of us saw an altar with tissues that had been there for a long time and said, woe is me. None of us looked around and, and looked at them inwardly, probably our own lives, and said, woe is me. We said, well, it didn't snow. We talked about this. We did that. We, we thought about everything else except for perhaps what Isaiah sees here. He caught a glimpse of God, and all that he can first of all say is, woe is me. He is in great concern here for his own life. And for right reason. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31 tells us, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Here, if anyone has ever been before the living God, it is Isaiah. He sees him high and lifted up upon his throne, and he sees all of his holiness. He sees the song about who God is. He realizes now in this moment that he cannot join in with the angels, but instead, all he can say, all he can muster up, woe is me. For I am undone. Woes as well are going to be very important in Isaiah's ministry. First of all, because this first woe. You see, Isaiah has this woe is me experience before God in his presence and he's overwhelmed by it. But woes are going to be pronounced upon Israel and Judah by Isaiah and seen and the judgment upon man from God. Woes are used throughout the book of Revelation. There's coming more woes and more woes and, and it's not good. You say, well, where's the encouragement here? The encouragement is that God is still yet on His throne and that we can see Him for who He is and be changed so that we would submit and follow Him. That's the real key here that we're going to see in this whole passage. In verse 5, he says, woe is, woe is me. This is the first and proper response to the holiness of God. Not, what else do you have? Not, well, but God, what about your love? What about your niceness and your, your patience and all those things? It, all you can say is, woe is me. Literally in that moment, he could have been killed, could have died, and was even worthy of death. You say, how do we know? Well, because he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he's before the most pure. He's, not even just, he's in the midst of, of purity itself. And I don't think we can quite grasp that by looking at verses 1 through 4. But here he finds himself being impure and unholy and unrighteous. And you're talking about Isaiah here, a prophet of God. But yet he knows still who he is in his flesh. And he realizes who God is. And this woe is me is the first and proper response to his holiness because Isaiah finds himself overwhelmed by the grandeur of God. And as well overwhelmed by sin's reality. I believe that every time we find a true, great, heaven-sent revival, it is because these two things take place. One, we have a, a brand new view of who God is and all of His holiness, but we also have a brand new view of all of what sin actually is. The good news is good news because the good news includes the bad news that they are a sin and that we are sinners and that we're born dead in our sins and trespasses and in need of a Savior. If the good news was just everybody's bad, but, you know, God will overlook it. Well, that's not too good of news. What it is, is that would be a lie. 
God is just and God is holy and must punish. But instead of punishing you, He punished His Son Jesus upon that cross of which we've just sung. He instead laid upon every sin that you've ever committed, every wicked thought and deed that you've ever done, He placed upon His own Son. The one who knew no sin, the one that I believe Isaiah is seeing here, would then be lit high and lifted up, not upon the throne on an earth, but rather upon the cross. But praise God, there is going to be a day where one day He will rule and reign upon a throne on this earth. Christ is coming again. And He will not come to die again and to raise again, but rather, He's going to come to rule and to reign in His proper and authoritative place forever. And I would much rather submit to Him now in my life than to worry about the wrath to come. Personally, as well here we see that the personal sin of Isaiah that we're about to see, this is a woe is me for his own people. I believe that we've lost that sort of mourning in our sin. We've lost mourning over our own sin, the sort of woe for our own, let alone for that of others. When someone else sins or is in sin or does wrong, we go, God, you better zap them. Don't we? We might not use those exact words, but that's sure how we think and act. But nor do we ever look at ourselves and go, God, I'm worthy of zapping, but thank you for not. Right? We've got to understand our sinfulness. And here Isaiah, he then not only says, woe is me. He says, woe is me because, is the word for here, for I am undone. Far too many of us come to church all sorts of proper like. I believe that there is a reverence and that we should certainly come to church in the right way and approach God the right way. However, most of us do not come to God in such a way where we go, Lord, I'm broken. I need you to fix me. We've lost our brokenness. We, we, we think that we've got to clean up our own act or our own self first before God will accept us. I want you to know, when we sing just as I am, God takes you as you are in your filth and loves you despite your sin and despite your filth, not to leave you in your sin and filth, but rather to take you out of it. And so when we come to church and when we come before God, any day for that matter, that we open up the Word of God and we, we sit and we pray and we ponder these things about who God is, we have the assurance that while we find ourselves even woefully inept, we find that God is good and gracious. The word for undone is the Hebrew dama. It means to make, make to cease to come to one's end, to cut off, to be undone, or even doomed to die. So what Isaiah is literally saying here, woe is me, I'm about to die! I believe that most of us don't have such a fear of who God is. I'm afraid that most of us don't even have such a knowledge that, that we realize all that God and all of who He is. And if we did, we would go, boy, I, I'm in danger. Don't you wish for a moment that every lost soul that you know would know the danger that they are in? Thank God that the day that you got saved, the Lord showed you the danger that you were in. I, 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 I wish that for even just a, a moment, because I don't believe that we could hold our brains any longer than that, I don't believe that we could handle any more than just a moment, even more than just a glance, if we could peer even now, if these pews would disappear, if this floor would open up and we might just catch a glance of the horrors of a literal hell that is very much alive and well now, of which every single person that has ever denied Christ is there. Not in some place where they're just going and living their life however they want to or partying up. They're not with their buddies. They're there being tormented. And by the way, not even under the torment of Satan himself because it is Satan who will one day be tormented forever and forever. But they are under the divine wrath of this same holy God of which Isaiah finds himself there. Nor do I believe that we could catch or even handle uh, this Momentary glance, if we looked upward then and the ceiling was gone and the sky opened up and we saw for just half a second the, the glories of God in heaven upon His throne. I don't think that we could handle our eyes coming back down and seeing the sinfulness of our own hands or the temporalness of this own world that we live. I believe that we would be undone. I believe that our great undoing of the church today is that we have never been undone. 
And I want to thank God that the past two years has undone a lot of things. It has been a terrible two years, hasn't it? It's been a difficult two years, hasn't it? It's been a tragic. And yet, in the midst of it, God has undone some things in us that needed to probably be undone. Yet, even in the midst, it is the same God who holds us and the same shepherd who holds us and guides us and protects us. It is also the same one who with a, a surgeon's scalpel is able to prune the things out of our life that need pruning. Is able to prune our own hearts, and though the cut may hurt, I can trust in the hand who holds that knife. And this is the one of which Isaiah sees. Woe is me, I, I am undone. And every person must be undone by seeing who God is and who we are. To not realize who He is will be the very undoing or doom, as the word means, uh, to our own hearts. You and I would certainly love for those who, who are lost and who don't know the Lord, especially those that we love, to be able to catch this glimpse of the impending doom of which is coming. But I want you to know, just because you are saved today does not mean that you coast on out of here and, and offer God nothing. You are not saved by your works, but certainly we are called to live a life for God. If we are truly saved, it will be more than just uh, worship when we gather here, but it will be worship when we go from here. It will be worship in our hearts, in our homes. It will be worship in our cars. It will be worship in our jobs. Because we'll be truly discipled. Because we're there at the feet of God and we want to follow Him no matter what and through everything. See, to be undone by Him as Isaiah is, is truly the first step of actually knowing Him. If we know just an ounce of who God is, it does. It undoes a lot. We need an undoing today of our sinfulness. We need to be undone because of our own preferences, our own ideas, our own thoughts. We need to be undone because of our flesh. We need to be undone that we can actually go forward. Isaiah is getting to be sent on the mission of his life. Y'all ever read the book of Isaiah? Any, all right, let's try this again. Y'all all right? Anybody ever read the book of Isaiah? If you haven't, just join in. We're not going to know, okay? What takes place over the rest of this book is Isaiah's preaching ministry, preaching to a people who will have deaf ears and blind eyes. But before Isaiah gets to go and to preach and to be used of God, though, in the way in which he'll be used, he gets undone first. Spurgeon once aptly said, I believe, God will never do anything with us till He has first of all undone us. We want to jump straight to the everything shining and glorifying and great and the hustle and the bustle where everything's running all smooth. And we don't want to face the undoing. Let me give you an example. In Griswold's Christmas family vacation, y'all ever seen that thing? Okay, right? Oh, Old Clark, he comes out of the garage to his son, and they're getting ready to put up Christmas lights. And he says, here us, and he hands Russ, his son, a giant ball of individual lights, twinkling lights. And they're in a giant ball, and he says, I'll let you start working on that knot. And Russ just looks at it like, how am I supposed to do that? You see, you and I, what we want for our churches, what we want for our own lives, what we want for our own ministry, is we want to just get to the bright, shining beauty of where the lights are up and it looks good and everything's going smooth. We don't want to go through the undoing part. Because when we take down the Christmas lights and what happens, I don't care what you do, there's always a knot somewhere. We've got an awful lot of knots in our life. We have an awful lot of knots in our heart and in our minds that need undoing and they become undone when we look to Christ and not to ourselves. The second thing that we find is that we, as we see Isaiah here, he says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice that Isaiah did not say, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And that's it. He doesn't even start with their sin first. He starts with his own. Isaiah begins with himself because if revival is going to happen, it's not going to be because you know so-and-so needs revival. It's going to be because you need revival. 
A change in your heart is not going to be because someone else that you know needs their change. Then they get theirs first because if they get right, well, they, then I'll work on me because I'm not as bad as they are. Before the throne of God, there's not a one of us that has anything that we can say except for woe is me. There's not a one of us before God's throne here like Isaiah that could say, my heart's better than theirs. My lips are, less, are more clean than theirs. No, but we all come to the same conclusion as Isaiah here. The word unclean here is the Hebrew word ta'ima. It describes that which is ceremonially unclean, defiled, impure, and even unfit for use. Anybody ever feel unfit for use for God? Yeah, yeah, me too. But you know what God's about to do? He's getting ready to say, who's going to go? And Isaiah who has just had unclean lips and dwelling in the midst of an unclean people, who has been undone by the beauty of God, simply, perhaps even with a trembling boy, voice, if he bowed knee and a raised hand says, Here am I. Send me. And God says, You got it, bud. Why? Because the Lord has far greater plans and a far greater ability to use us than what we can do with ourselves. Because you and I put ourselves off on a shelf long before God ever does. You're not done until you're dead. You will not be done on this earth if you are saved today until you find yourself in the glories of heaven before this very same throne. Until then, we simply must say, here my sin, me. But the word here describes that he is unclean. He is literally, the idea if this was about the law, he could not even be before God to worship him. He's unfit. He's unclean. He's impure. He must be cast aside, out of the way. Anything and anyone that was unclean in the, the Jewish day had to be taken outside of the camp, had to be taken away because they would defile everybody and everything else. It would defile the worship of God. It would defile the presence of God. It would defile everything. Now, this is important. Because in the presence of perfect purity and power, Isaiah now sees his own uncleanness, and so must we. In the year King Uzziah died, verse number one. In the year King Uzziah died, what do we remember about King Uzziah? Well, we talked about it last week over in, his, in the book of Chronicles. It tells us about his life, that he sinned against God and God's temple and was struck down with leprosy and had to be taken out of the camp out of the temple, off of the throne, and he was literally undone and unclean before God. Lepers were undone, which the word we talked about, dama, means to be cut off from everything, to even be doomed. If you had leprosy, you were probably going to die, and even worse, you were going to die alone or with a bunch of other outcasts. This is why the healing of the lepers in Jesus' ministry is so miraculous. This is why even the salvation of sinners is so miraculous because there's nothing that can save us. We are left to ourselves unless Christ would do a work and Christ has done this work. The second thing is they're not only undone, but they are unclean. Ceremonially impure and unusable. They can offer nothing to society. They can offer nothing to the worship. They can offer nothing to the people. Yet Jesus... Healed them. Yet Jesus even touched them. Imagine what God is looking at here as he sees Isaiah, the one whom he has called and chosen to go and deliver this message. He does not see Isaiah all in this leprous state, but rather Isaiah is undone and unclean, and God's about to make him whole and make him clean and go and use him. Beholding the purity of Christ, what we truly find is our own faith. Isaiah's unclean lips here, he describes that he's unclean and he dwells in the midst of an unclean people who have unclean lips. And the whole idea is that they were God's covenant people. And he says, we're unfit to even be in his presence, unfit to worship him. We're wicked. This is where revival happens. Seeing God for who He is. Seeing us for who we are. This is how truly knowing Christ and making Him known happens. Isaiah's unclean lips keep him from being able to join in with the seraphim, this heavenly chorus, and is brought to a place where he has nothing to offer this thrice holy God. The unclean lips of the people are perverse. 
Their lips are full of idolatry and immorality. Isaiah 29 tells us in verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as his people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. The reason why you and I don't fear God the way in which we should is because we have not been taught the fear of God by God, but by others. If we are to truly understand and to know God, let Him teach you. How is He going to teach you? Through His Word, through the power of His Holy Spirit. Through sitting just a moment like Isaiah before His throne or at the foot of the cross and to ponder the things of God. He proclaims in Isaiah 29, as much as they draw near me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me. He says, but their heart is far from me. The whole idea of having unclean lips and, and this people that are, are literally unclean themselves and are people of unclean lips is that they say with their lips that they love God and with their hearts they worship the devil. They say, I love you, Lord, and oh, how I love Jesus. But with their hearts, they bow down to idols, even casting their children into idols. And they live immoral lives, but they cover it up with the beautiful speech and the eloquence of talking about who God is. And yet they don't actually know that God describes not only the nation of Israel or Judah here, but it certainly would describe most people who identify as a Baptist church member. Lips that know all the stuff and can say all the right words, but their hearts are far. If you want the test of if you know Christ or not, it will not be because you can say the right things. It will be because your heart believes. Your heart is trusting in Jesus and not of yourself. Because your lips can deceive you, your lips will deceive others, and your lips have probably even deceived me and many other preachers that have stood behind this pulpit. But your lips will not deceive God. Isaiah is representing and is the representation in this moment of an unholy, unfaithful people in the presence of a holy and faithful God. Lastly, in verse 5, he says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Not only are we undone by His holiness, not only are we unclean because of seeing His holiness, but we gain understanding through God's holiness. And this is the life of real discipleship. Here's the meat. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There's many a people who love Jesus, but they love the Jesus that they make up. They love the Jesus that says, come here, come here, little children, right? I'll take care of you. I'll feed you. They, they love the Jesus that is so nice and says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meat. They don't so much talk or love the Jesus that calls the Pharisees Pharisees and says they're a bunch of whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones, vipers, and pronounces even woes unto them. They don't like the Jesus so much that says that our sin is wicked and perverse before Him and that we must be born again. They like the Jesus that says, try real hard and I'll be nice. And, and, and you know, I'm love and, and you just try we make up our own Jesus. I want you to know we cannot make up our own Jesus. And there is no making up our own Jesus when we actually see Him upon the throne as Isaiah has. My eyes have seen not here in Isaiah, not Jesus the healer, Jesus the servant, Jesus the preacher, Jesus the King. The King. He is high and lifted up with His train filling the temple, reigning over all things, for He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Jesus is not only the King of the Jews, but He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the ruler and sovereign of all rulers. Revelation 19 tells us this, 
here in Revelation 19. I'm going to read the whole passage here. Verse number 11 says, And I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Dear sinner, today I want you to know today is the day of salvation, not, not to wait. Not to wait. Because you very well may put this off. You very well may reject Christ in your life. And then what you will experience is not the Jesus that says, come back to me and try again, but you will experience the one that doth judge and make war. And he judges and makes war against his enemies, and those are all who are against him, who have not trusted in him, who have not bowed the knee and seen him as king. It says his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. He's the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts literally means the captain or the general of the armies. The heavenly armies. Myriads times myriads of myriads of myriads, which is literally hundreds of millions times hundreds of millions of billions of billions. All right, It's an infinite number of a heavenly host of which is his angelic army. He says, The armies which were in heaven followed upon him white horses, and clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress wine of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is a frightening day for those who don't know Christ. Yet it is a day of triumph, of victory for those who do know Him. He is the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees Him here and he says, Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, His heavenly army. I've seen Him for who He is. He is King. And if Christ is King, then I am not. If Christ is King, I'm not even a prince. I'm not in the court. I'm not in the heavenlies. I'm a beggar. A pauper. And yet, that same king desires me. And that same king, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, says to that pauper, to that beggar, that he may come. Not by his work, not by his words, not by his own uh, uh, abilities, but rather that we might come because of who He is and what He has done. Discipleship at its root is not some sort of fancy word or even just the idea of Jesus calling and us going fishing and us saying yes, but it is a total submission to His kingship and authority. When the disciples were called and they said, yes, I'll follow you, Lord. They called Him Lord. Master, rabbi, teacher. He was in charge now of their lives, no longer themselves. We would do us some real good if we would submit to Christ the King. Honor Him. Obey Him. Follow Him. Submit to Jesus. May today in our own hearts look and see this thrice holy God upon His throne. And may we, like Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone. May we be undone so that Christ the King may undo our undoing. Take away the doom and the dread and instead fill our hearts with the fellowship and relationship of knowing Him. He is King. He is Lord, and He forever has been, and so shall He ever be. So we bring this to a close today. I would ask you today, you might have been saved longer than I've been alive. Today, by God's grace, 28 years. When's the last time you were undone by God? When's the last time that you were undone by who God is and how unworthy you are, and yet He still 
that same Jesus who is King of kings and Lord of lords calls you friend. And I would ask you today, are you truly submitted to Him? I'm not talking about submitted to Him and coming to church. I'm talking about submitted to Him and being the church. I'm not talking about submitting to Him and, and being an attendee. I'm talking about submitting to Him that no matter where you are, where you go, how you get there, what your background's like, what you do day to day, that every day is for the glory of Christ the King. and Not for our own glory, not for our own doing, not for our own will. It is not our will be done, but His will be done because He is the King, therefore He is the one who produces the will that must be followed. We must submit to Him now, lest we do fall into the hands of this living God. And what a fearful thing and a fearful day that would be. Today, may each of us humbly surrender to the King and experience the Christian life in genuine worship and discipleship. Submit to His Word. Submit to His work. Submit to His will. Today, may each of us be undone before the King so that He might make us whole. Let's all stand this morning. This altar's open. I know we don't have a piano. Miss Cammie's going to try to play a little something for us, but we don't need music to sing. We don't need music to come to an altar either. As it plays, if you want to come, if you have a need, you come. Lord, we thank You for this time, this day, God, that we could worship You. Lord, You truly are worthy of worship. Lord, You're worthy of us following You as disciples committed genuinely to Your cause and to Your kingdom. God, may our hearts, our minds see You high and lifted up, but Lord, to trust in You, not just that You are King of kings and Lord of lords, but as well, God, that we would thank You and praise You, that You, the King, would love people like us, would use people like us. God, bring us the encouragement, the strength, the conviction that is needed to bow our knee, but to rise up in the victory that you have promised to your people who would trust in you and to go and to be used for your kingdom. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.